BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Calling all operatives. From now to March 30th, MGM National Harbor invokes your skills to play Covert Cash, a spy-themed kiosk game series where classified missions, hidden rewards, and daily thrills await. Sign up for MGM Rewards to play and unlock up to $25,000 in hidden free play daily and entries into our grand escape car drawing on March 30th. Visit MGMNationalHarbor.com slash Covert Cash to begin your mission. Must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. Ditch the clowns on the left and the jokers on the right and join Michael Smirkanish right here in the middle. This is the Smirkanish podcast for independent minds. I want to talk about Donald Trump having just lost an appeal. I was the least surprised that Trump lost one of his appellate court battles yesterday. Anybody who's listened to me recently knows that I said that he would lose in the uh, the Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit. It, in fact, I did a commentary last Saturday on CNN, and I said, you know, I'm starting to think that maybe it'll be Alvin Bragg who is first to get to trial against Donald Trump in the Stormy Daniels case. Such was my suspicion that the case pending in federal court in Washington before Judge Chutkin won't go because Trump is just going to run out the clock. And then yesterday I was on the air when the opinion was actually released and I was I was scrambling to both entertain all of your telephone calls and to speed read the 57 pages, not so much for the outcome, not so much for the legal analysis, although I, I, I must say I was surprised by the, the volume of it, if that's the right word. They, they really went to great lengths to make a very voluminous record hoping that it would be, I'm sure, the final word on the case. No, that's not the part that surprised me. The part that surprised me was the the issue of timing and my ongoing wonderment of, is this guy going to get tried before Election Day? This is the appeal from the trial judge, Judge Chutkin, who rejected Donald Trump's immunity argument. You know, now being elevated to the Court of Appeals in Washington, typically you've heard me say, You'd expect that a ruling from a three-judge panel would then open a 45-day window where a request could be made for a hearing on banc, meaning before the entire appellate court. And then, once that process runs its course, another 90 days before someone need appeal to the Supreme Court of the United States. And you've heard me say that by those metrics, Trump probably will run out the clock and not get tried before Election Day. But that's not what happened yesterday. Instead, there was a judgment issued corresponding with that 57-page opinion. Maybe I should refer to it as a mandate, which I think could significantly change to the disadvantage of Donald Trump, the timeline. But I need expertise in this regard, and I have found it in the person of Tobias Barrington Wolf at the Penn Carey Law School. He's the Jefferson Fordham Professor of Law and Deputy Dean for equity and inclusion. He writes and teaches in the fields of civil procedure and complex litigation. 
and the conflict of laws as well as constitutional law. And he joins me now. Professor Wolf, thank you so much for being here. Michael, it is my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Something really uh, amusing, at least to me, when I read your CV after you graciously agreed to be on the program, I realized that you have co-authored a book on civil procedure with my civil procedure professor from way back in the day, Linda Silberman. I think I may have been in her very first class. I'm not sure of that, uh, but you'll give her my regards if uh, she'll never remember me. I just sat there and, and hoped I wouldn't get called on in that first semester, but I remember it well. I, I will. She is a goddess who walks among us and graces us with her presence, and she is also one of my dearest friends. Okay, so I'm about to expose my naivete, I think, and, and perhaps that I really didn't pay attention to Professor Silberman those many years ago. You've got to explain this to me. So, like, what my question is, and I, I want to make sure that I present it in a way that the audience will appreciate, what allows this court of appeals the three judge panel to say hey we're not going to allow donald trump to just sit back and go the normal course but rather we're going to force his hand by next monday well so there's a part of this that the the court of appeals has control over and there's a part that they don't the part that they have control over is when and you used this term a second ago when the mandate issues from the dc circuit And the mandate is essentially the marching orders that a court gives to the parties and, in a case like this, to the lower federal court after they've issued their decision. And in their ruling, uh, in that one-page sort of order that you referenced, they accelerate the timetable on the issuance of the mandate a little bit. Uh, The mandate would normally... It would be a period of about three weeks or so would be the fastest that the mandate would issue. And they essentially accelerate that to next Monday and say, if we don't hear certain things from you by next Monday, then we're going to direct the clerk of the D.C. Circuit to issue the mandate. And what that means in in normal terminology is that that's when the case would get sent back to Judge Chutkin for further proceedings. So that's the part that the D.C. Circuit has control over. The part that they don't have control over is if the Supreme Court decides to issue a stay and it's technically a stay of the mandate that would say, put everything on hold until we decide what we're going to do. And he will presumably, will obviously be asking the Supreme Court to review this decision. And the way that he does that is by filing a petition for writ of certiorari with the Supreme Court. And he's got 90 days to file that petition. And ordinarily filing the petition to the court and saying, would you please review this decision? That doesn't automatically put everything on hold. But he can go to the Supreme Court and say, please put everything on hold while I write my petition for certiorari and then while you all decide what to do about it. And that's the question that the D.C. Circuit has no control over whatsoever. And so what they said in this order was, tell us by Monday if you're going to go to the court and ask for a stay while you prepare your petition for writ of certiorari. And if you tell us that you're going to do that, then we will hold on to the mandate. We will not do anything here until the Supreme Court tells us what they're going to do about the stay. Right. So I think it's pretty clear that the next series of things that are going to happen here 
is that he and his lawyers will say, we're going to ask the court for a stay while we prepare our uh, petition. And the D.C. Circuit will say, fine, we'll sit tight and, and hold on to everything until the court tells us what it's going to do about the stay. And then we have to wait to see what the Supreme Court does about the stay. And that, I think, we should know about within a, uh, probably a week. Okay, so naive question from me, number two. What happens to his right to have this heard on banc by the full court of the Court of Appeals? So he can he can do that, right? So he's got, um, there's two options that any litigant has after they get a, a bad decision from a, uh, from a Court of Appeals. Uh, one is to ask the panel itself to rehear the issue and to change what they did. And that's obviously not a good use of his time or anybody's time here. The other is to ask for a so-called rehearing on banc, which, as you say, is to go to the full D.C. Circuit and say, D.C. Circuit, please rehear this entire thing. And he could do that. He has 14 days in which to do that. Uh, But honestly, not only because this decision was so strong and, and clearly reasoned, but because of the composition of the panel, Right. You've got Judge Karen Henderson, who's a very conservative federal judge, was appointed as a district court judge by Ronald Reagan and then a a D.C. Circuit judge by George H.W. Bush. And then you have Judge Childs and Judge Pan, who are uh, uh, appointees to the D.C. Circuit by President Biden. Um, It's it just seems unlikely, given the composition of the D.C. Circuit, that they would be interested in rehearing the case on bank. He could make that request just for the sake of of extending the clock a little bit. Um, but I, my guess is that the D.C. Circuit would decide that request very quickly. And and more to the point, in their order, the panel says we will not withhold the mandate. We're not going to delay things if you ask for a rehearing or rehearing on bonk. So you can do that. You have a full right to do that. But we're not going to let that's one thing that we do have control over. And we're not going to let that introduce more delay. Tobias Barrington Wolf at the Penn Carey Law School. He's the Jefferson Fordham Professor of Law and Deputy Dean for Equity and Inclusion. This is the Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. 
Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math and see how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to netsuite.com slash Smirconish, netsuite.com slash Smirconish, netsuite.com slash Smirconish. Calling all operatives. From now to March 30th, MGM National Harbor invokes your skills to play Covert Cash, a spy-themed kiosk game series where classified missions, hidden rewards, and daily thrills await. Sign up for MGM Rewards to play and unlock up to $25,000 in hidden free play daily and entries into our grand escape car drawing on March 30th. Visit MGMNationalHarbor.com slash Covert Cash to begin your mission. Must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Michael Smirconish Program. Listen weekdays at 9 a.m. East on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and anytime on the Sirius XM app. Professor Wolf, I, I never thought that he would be successful either with the three-judge panel, frankly, any three-judge panel that would have been drawn from this court to look at it, nor from the Court of Appeals. I'm just trying to game it out as a strategic matter to determine whether he gets to trial before the election. So I expect that Trump will exhaust every remedy available to him that delays it. I hear what you're saying, that it's futile on his part to, to even take advantage of the 14 days. Um, I guess I really want to ask you this. The way in which they crafted this order, labeled a judgment, and speaking of, quote, the filing of a petition for rehearing or rehearing on banc will not result in any withholding of the mandate— can you say they recognized the election as a backdrop and they, the three judge panel, Henderson, Childs and Pan, did everything they could to keep this moving? Oh, no question. Absolutely. And, and as I say, everything about this order, which the D.C. Circuit has control over, is an order that is designed to prevent delay and to move this case forward, to put it back in the hands of uh, of Judge Chutkin for the case to move forward. And, I mean, they go so far as to say, uh, you know, if you file a petition for rehearing on Bonk, that's not going to slow things down here. You can do that, but we're going to send it back to Judge Chutkin. And in the unlikely, if they don't say unlikely, but in the event that we grant rehearing on Bonk, then we'll take it back from Judge Chutkin to do whatever we have to do. But that's the part of it which the D.C. Circuit has control over. And they have said, we're not going to let you use more procedural hijinks to slow things down in our court. The part that they don't have control over is if the Supreme Court decides to just stop everything in its tracks while he is preparing his request that the court hear the case. I find it interesting that they took that approach because obviously it's the election that they have in mind. And yet they would never acknowledge that they have the election in mind, right? 
Well, you know, I mean, there wouldn't be any cause to acknowledge it in the text of this order, but there is this principle which both the Justice Department and the federal courts can acknowledge, which is that uh, the Justice Department prefers, has a very strong norm within the department that they shouldn't be initiating actions or undertaking prosecutions, for example, that are so close to a general election that they'll have a defining impact on that election. And, and that's a principle that the federal courts can take into account, right? It's obviously not appropriate for a federal judge to do whatever they're doing because they have a preferred outcome in an election and they're trying to push that outcome. That's flagrantly inappropriate. But it is appropriate for the federal courts to say, we want to move this along as quickly as possible because we want to make sure that this matter can get resolved far enough from the election that it's not running up against this principle that DOJ should not be undertaking prosecution so close to an election that it's going to have this defining impact. But, you know, Professor Wolf, nowhere in any of Jack Smith's pleadings has he made that point. He's spoken. I don't have the language in front of me, but he's he's spoken of the need to move expeditiously, but never really defined the reason as being the election, even though we all know it's the election. I'm sure, because if there were any reference to the E word, then it would be portrayed as being political, not in a partisan way, perhaps, but political nonetheless. And I totally get the memos that you're referring to. I've never been clear. Is it 60 days? Is it 90 days? Is it Labor Day? I don't know. But there's definitely that DOJ protocol that says don't do anything close to an election. I think that's right. And I one thing that I don't know is, does DOJ usually make reference to that norm explicitly? when it's asking that things be moved forward expeditiously in cases involving elected officials or candidates for office. And it may well be the case that they never do for exactly the reason you suggest, right? Because if DOJ starts talking about the election is influencing our timing, then it can be portrayed as political, even though it's not. It's just an attempt to stay out of politics. Uh, And so it may be that the way that Jack Smith is phrasing his papers it's actually quite in line with how DOJ prosecutors normally phrase papers asking for things to go quickly when they're in this kind of situation. So today is the 7th of February. This case had been listed for March the 4th, then delisted for all the obvious reasons relative to the appeal. Put yourself now in the position of Judge Chutkin and game this out for me. What can she do and when? Well, my guess is that Judge Chutkin is going to be waiting for what I think is the defining decision about timing, which we are going to get in the next week or week and a half, which is when um, Mr. Trump and his lawyers ask the Supreme Court to issue a stay while he files his petition for writ of certiorari, will they do so? And if the Supreme Court issues that stay, then everything is on hold indefinitely. Uh, You know, we are not going to, the Judge Tuckin is not going to have this back in front of her court until at the earliest, maybe four months from now, and we're in a whole different conversation. If the Supreme Court doesn't issue a stay, then I think, pursuant to the D.C. Circuit's order, the case goes back to Judge Tuckin within about a week and a half. 
And so I think everything turns on the question of whether the court issues a stay pending his filing a petition for writ of certiorari. So she's probably not going to do anything until the court decides that question, which I think they're going to decide in the next week or week and a half. Okay, if there's no stay that's issued and it gets handed back to Judge Chutkin, she puts it back in a trial mode, even though simultaneously he's pursuing his appellate rights to the Supreme Court? Yes. In which case, he and I don't could think get... there's anything. I don't think there's anything unusual about that, right? Because you know, people file thousands and thousands of people file petitions for writ of certiorari to the Supreme Court, and almost none of them get a stay, which means that you know things are moving in their cases while they're asking the court to intervene. And the way it works is in the small handful of cases where the court intervenes. At that point, when the court says we want to take this case then you can put things on hold. Uh, this is obviously a, a highly unusual case, but there's nothing unusual about a district judge moving forward if the court does not grant a stay. I think what you've just crystallized for us, by the way, thank you so much. Thank you for being so gracious with your time and, and making yourself available, especially because I know you're on the West Coast. I think you've just crystallized... Anything for, for, anything for a Penn Law graduate. <laughs> well, you know you know that Judge Chutkin was, was in my law class. I mean, it's really amazing to think... And one of the, one of the Colorado... One of the Colorado Supreme Court justices was also in my class, and that case, of course, goes tomorrow uh, to the Supreme yeah, Court. You know but, what? One of the one of the Colorado Supreme Court justices was in my class too. So there you go. <laughs> my law school class. So um, help me with this, and and present it in a way that everybody can follow along. Is am, am I right in saying, Professor Wolf, that that this issue from the Supreme Court on the stay is is arguably even, I think I know what happens tomorrow. I just don't know how quickly I think they're going to blow that out. Colorado, Maine, and any other states that are looking to knock Trump off the ballot based on Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. Maybe I'm wrong. But I, I think this is, the, this is where the rubber meets the road. I think this is the most fundamental legal decision that's going to set the course as to whether he gets to trial before the election. It's what you've just identified whether they'll issue a stay within the next two weeks. I think that's 100% correct. And it's important to note that you need five justices to get a stay. You need four justices to grant a writ of certiorari when we get to that point. But you need five justices for a stay. And because an issuance of a stay essentially is the whole ballgame when it comes to timing and this trial, uh, you know, the, the, the five justices, the, the court, the members of the court are going to have to decide, do we want to give him what he wants, which is to effectively make it impossible to have this trial before the election? And are there five votes on the court right now to give him what he wants and prevent this trial from happening before the election? And I'm, I'm not at all convinced that there are. I'm worried, but I'm not at all convinced that there are. Uh, and I think a lot of it will turn on uh, Justice Amy Coney Barrett. I think she's likely to be the, the toughest get for a fifth vote for a stay. You, you're not convinced it just breaks along the usual ideological lines, in which case they'd have six I mean, votes. I, I, I may sound naive in saying this. I don't want to anger your audience by sounding naive. I'm not sure that we know yet fully what the normal ideological lines are for this court. We know in many ways that it is one of the most conservative and radical courts that we have seen in our lifetimes. There is no question about that. 
But one thing that I will say about Justice Barrett is that before she became a judge, she herself was a scholar of civil procedure. And she understands and I believe cares about regularity in the business of the federal courts when it comes to how they handle cases. And so she will have to decide whether she thinks a stay is warranted here, given the extraordinary equities in this case involving timing. And I have a higher degree of of regard for her institutional uh, integrity than perhaps some people who disagree strongly with some of the rulings that she's been a part of. Um, And I'm not at all convinced that she's just going to be on board with issuing a stay. I think I get it. I really appreciate it. Tobias Barrington Wolf is the Jefferson Fordham Professor of Law, Deputy Dean for Equity and Inclusion at the Penn Carey Law School. Thank you so, so much. That was really important and terrific. Thank you for having me on, Michael. It was actually a great opportunity for me to sort these things through myself, preparing for the show. So I really appreciate the opportunity. <laughs> Thank you. I feel the same way. Thank you for that. And he's the expert. I'm, I'm truly bet. a layperson when it comes to this. Thank you, Professor. Okay, gang, I think that was really of value. And here's the takeaway. I, I hope we weren't too far into the weeds. The takeaway, I believe, based on what I heard from the real expert in Professor Wolf, is that within the next two weeks, the Supreme Court of the United States is going to determine whether, in one vote, whether Donald Trump gets to trial before the election. That's what it all means. The stay is the issue, and I I think the election could hang in the balance. Absolutely. This is the Smirconish Podcast from SiriusX. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required accessed from anywhere you cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite you improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform slashing manual tasks and errors over 37,000 companies have already made the move so do the math and see how you'll profit with NetSuite now through April 15th NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program head to netsuite.com slash Smirconish, netsuite.com slash Smirconish, netsuite.com slash Smirconish. 
Calling all operatives. From now to March 30th, MGM National Harbor invokes your skills to play Covert Cash, a spy-themed kiosk game series where classified missions, hidden rewards, and daily thrills await. Sign up for MGM Rewards to play and unlock up to $25,000 in hidden free play daily and entries into our grand escape car drawing on March 30th. Visit MGMNationalHarbor.com slash Covert Cash to begin your mission. Must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Michael Smirconish Program. Listen weekdays at 9 a.m. East on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and anytime on the Sirius XM app. I thought Tobias Barrington Wolf was excellent, and I get it. Within two, here's my takeaway. You heard it all. You can render your own judgment, but I, I think that within two weeks, the Supreme Court of the United States is about to make perhaps the most momentous decision of my lifetime, and I'm including Bush v. Gore. Because I think the stakes are different given the political climate in the country. You know, Gore kind of, uh, can I still say, took it like a man? No. Okay. I'm not allowed to say that. Thank you, TC. Uh, accepted the results as a gentleman, a gentle person. So uh, we're not in that climate anymore. This is not 2000. Within two weeks, the Supreme Court, in deciding whether to stay Trump's appellate loss, will at the same time be determining if he is tried before the election. And it's all coming down to whether there are five votes to stay what was entered yesterday. James, you're in Winston-Salem. Thank you for your patience. What did you want to say? I want to say if, uh, if, the, if they choose not to let Trump run for, uh, on these ballots, we do no longer have a democracy. This is a joke, a scam that the Democrats have come up with to take Trump off the ballot. It's a joke. He's never been convicted of any of these crimes. He's uh, supposedly done, which we know why he's being uh, these charges are being brought against him. I mean, I served the United States Marine Corps, but I'll tell you right now, I would not serve under this administration. These bunch of crooks is trying to steal our rights away to vote for a man that run for the right reasons to help our country get back on his feet. This is a joke. Okay, I have a question. Donald Trump appointed yes, three three conservative members of the United States Supreme Court on the issue that I just summarized with the professor. If those three were to decide against Trump, would you still feel that it's a quote unquote joke? Yes, he's not been convicted of anything uh, that I know of. So in, in this country, you're innocent until proven guilty. OK, and I'm if just going to. That should, Thank that, you. Uh, that you and me, that means that you wouldn't want this happening to you if you was in Trump's situation. James, thank you for your phone call. Let me just try and, and, and bring a little clarity to this because I know it's confusing. Tomorrow is the argument on Colorado not wanting to put Trump on the ballot saying he's engaged in insurrection. And under the 14th Amendment, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, therefore, we're not putting him on the ballot. That would remove him from the ballot at least in Colorado and Maine, and I'm sure other states would all jump in line, blue states. This is different. Like nothing, I need to make this really clear, nothing relative to Trump being tried before Judge Chutkin for election interference in the federal court, nothing about this would remove him from the ballot. Donald Trump's name, even if he's convicted, his name is still on the ballot. But as a practical matter, you would think a conviction there would end his bid for the presidency if people are telling the truth to the pollsters, which is, well, yeah, I'm for him, but not if he's convicted. 
Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Michael Smirconish for Independent Minds. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Calling all operatives. From now to March 30th, MGM National Harbor invokes your skills to play Covert Cash, a spy-themed kiosk game series where classified missions, hidden rewards, and daily thrills await. Sign up for MGM Rewards to play and unlock up to $25,000 in hidden free play daily and entries into our grand escape car drawing on March 30th. Visit MGMNationalHarbor.com slash Covert Cash to begin your mission. Must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER.